We acknowledge the First Nations people of the land now known as Australia and the traditional custodians, the Turrbal and Yagara people of the land where we worked and created this film. We also acknowledge the traditional custodians wherever this film is played all over the world. We acknowledge this land was taken by force and without consent and to this day's sovereignty was never ceded. We thank the ancestors for lighting our path and guiding us home. So Yarika, it's great to have you. And we want to find out a little bit about you so the listeners know who you are as part of our co-hosting in Walking Through Worlds. And tell us a bit about your background, where you've come from, who you are, and some of your story. What are you doing now? And sure. Tell us all. So I'm a Koori girl born on Gadigal land in Redfern, Sydney. Um, lived there for about the first 10 years of my life. Then Dad moved us up to um, Wiradjuri country, Dubbo and Canamble then here to Yagra country in Mianjin, where we've been since the early 90s. Um, spent some time away, traveled around a bit, lived on Dungadi country in the mid-north coast. And then I've been back here um, in Mianjin, AKA Brisbane for about five, four years this time around. So I've been back and forth, Queensland and New South Wales. Um, as I was during my childhood, I'm now doing the same with my children, traveling around a bit. But growing up in Redfern in the 80s with a very politically active family was an experience like no other. You know, I talked to other people and it's like we've had a very unique upbringing being the middle child um, of nine girls. So I've got four older sisters, four younger sisters. I think that's what drove our parents to an early grave. Um, <laughs> no, they, yeah, we, parents and grandparents have passed away. So that has instilled a huge sense of um, strength and resilience in all of us because we all um, are a very tight knit and close um, family unit, especially since losing, you know, our, our rock and our matriarch. Um, we're very blessed to be able to have the siblings. Um, we've got one brother on my dad's side still alive. Um, three, no, one brother left on my mum's side still alive in Redfern. Three brothers and a sister on my dad's side still alive here in um, Queensland and my grandmother Maureen Watson she's the matriarch of our family so she was born in Rockhampton um, and my dad's a weary man from the Birugaba nation in central Queensland also ties to Kungaloo area through his uh, mother she was born in Rockhampton um, and also Waka Waka and um, Willy Willy so around that central Queensland area Idesville, Theodore, um, Krakow, they call Dawson River Murrays. So dad's a Murray or Murray or Guri from up here in Queensland and mum's Koori or Guri from New South Wales. So we've sort of had very blended um, parts of our childhood growing up with mum being removed from her family and that's impacted on how she parented us, you know, because she didn't have um, you know, the luxury of growing up at home with her parents. And when I explained to people how recent a lot of these um, policies were, like the Stolen Generations, it really spins people out because mm. I say, you know, I'm the first generation not to be forcibly removed by government under government legislation. So Stolen Generations isn't something that happened 200 years ago at the point of colonisation. Mm. It's ongoing and the impacts are ongoing. So I like to remind people Mm. Um, how recent, you know, this country's brutal history is and the impacts 
are never ending. And you've got a few siblings too, haven't you? Yes, so I've got four younger and four older. Um, I became a single mother of twins at 17, so I've literally been raising children um, half my life, more than half my life, because when mum passed away, I was 19 and I moved back home and helped dad raise the siblings, and he also had um, the grandkids in his care at that time. Um, and now I've taken on that role of kinship care, looking after the next generation. So um, we've looked after a lot of siblings, kids, nieces and nephews from the community. Um, at our place growing up, it was always an open door policy. I remember cooking dinner on one occasion for 19 people. Um, and you never wanted to be on dishes after, <laughs> you know, cooking for that many people, <laughs> cleaning up. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's, we, we grew up in a very beautiful, big, diverse family mm. and community. Um, whether it was Redfern in Sydney or up here on Annerley Road, everyone knew, you know, where we lived and they could come and have a feed and a cup or in a bed or whatever they needed. So it was a very beautiful upbringing, but there was a lot of, um, you know, trials and tribulations, but that's definitely what's moulded me into, you know, the strong woman I am today with thanks to my parents and grandparents and the path they paved. Great lineage. I mean, I met your father, I knew your father in 1989, maybe 1990, and he was just starting, I think it was called the Murray Hour yep. at Triple Z, for Triple Z. Yep. I met him coming, he was looking at getting some equipment for his new radio station, and I Triple A that became, yep. and today 98.9 FM, which is country, Murray yeah. country, what, what's its, its name? It's blended. So Dad had a very... Well, it was actually, we have to acknowledge Uncle Ross Watson, who established Murray Radio with other um, people in the community that were really looking for us, you know, a space to be able to have a platform to share our voice. Mm. So there was a lot of, you know, Brisbane Blacks that helped establish a lot of the key organisations here in Brisbane and across the Great Southeast today. Um, so, yeah, it started off as one hour, Murray Hour on Triple Z, and then... Um, we won a couple of, um, there we, were we were fighting for the broadcasting license um, and our opposition was another Brisbane radio station and we won and that caused a lot of uproar. So we, you know, there was strate very strategic the way that we operated and I remember dad saying, you know, a lot of whitefellas love their country music so we draw them in with that. So it's a well-known country music station. But a lot of us grew up on country music, you know, mm. mostly Charlie Pride, um, George Jones, Jim Reeves, um, Alan Jackson, Dolly Parton. So it was a way where we could play the music that they loved, but also educate them um, on local history and you know, current affairs from a First Nations standpoint. So... There's a good national network now. There is a very strong network, isn't there? Yeah. Across the country. Yep. So we come under the National Indigenous Radio Service. You've got NEMA, National Indigenous Media Association, and then BEMA, which is the umbrella for um, 98.9 FM, Murray Radio, and also AAA Training come under the Brisbane Indigenous Media Association. But Karma was the first Aboriginal radio station in Central Australia. When my grandmother heard about Karma, um, she went up for a conference and couldn't believe that, you know, they had a local radio station playing local mm, music, local mm. artists, because we've got so much talent in our community, but we can't just go and give our demo tapes back in the day. 
to mainstream. No one was playing our music or sharing no. our stories. So that's when Nan said, you know, we've got to do something. So she established Radio Redfern, which is now Gadigal um, Informational, Cree Radio or Gadigal Information Services in Sydney. She established that in 1980. And that's where I grew up, you know, speaking on air ever since I could talk. And to see how much it's grown now, we've got, you know, over 100 Aboriginal radio services across the country now. Which is, so, and then NITV as yeah, well. Yeah, we've got NITV. So there's no excuse for ignorance. You know, no. there are so many ways on which we can continue our journey with educating ourselves about, you know, the true history of this country. You've got print media, you've got online, you've got NITV, great doco still on SBS and ABC. Mm. Um, you've got the Koori Mail, you've got National Indigenous Times, Deadly Vibe, like all of these amazing opportunities to evolve and enhance our, our knowledge and our education. And, and really, that's only a really short time span. You said 1980 to mm. now, that's 40 years. It's not yeah. a long time. No, and no. we've just grown and grown and evolved. And it's awesome to see black excellence, you know, yes. people in our community that are, are really excelling yep. at their chosen field. And oh. the list, you know, is enormous and growing. The potential is just, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see. And so your father's left an enormous legacy. And mm. now with you... All, all the sisters and brothers, is it all girls or boys? All or? girls. Um, our first brother, so dad's first son passed away and he got left with all the girls. Wow. And um, I know, and I haven't met your uh, little sister, but you know, she's doing great work and stuff that you're working with her as well. And tell us a bit about that, what that's called. And Yeah, so my grandmother's sister, Annie Lilla Watson, and my younger sister, Mandanara Bales, um, established the black card mm. about eight years ago now. So we are an award-winning business. We won the Queensland Reconciliation Business Award and just recently the Supply Diversity Award at Supply Nation for our partnership with Commonwealth Bank. So that was a huge one. Um, That's great. So wow. the black card is a 100% Aboriginal owned and operated business based here in Brisbane, but we service Australia wide in the cultural education and training space. So we work with a lot of corporates like Combank, ANZ, all the big banks are knocking on our doors, as well as, um, you know, whether it's private sector, community groups, universities, hospitals, health, who, whatever it may be, um, whether it's, um, you know, guiding them with their reconciliation action plan um, or consultancy, cultural capability workshops. Um, it's pretty much your one-stop shop. So we do the tours as well around Brisbane. Oh, don't, don't just say the tours as well. The Black Card <laughs> Cultural Tours. I've been fortunate enough to do four of those uh, over the last couple of years. And you and your family and your team have just been amazing. I learned so much just within the body of this, even the room mm. that we're doing this. Um, explain the room we're in, the Kuridagan, yes. which, by the way, I was reading what that meant. You know, the Kuril as the, as the water rat mm -hmm. for this place of Mianja and Dargan being place. Yes. So the place of the Kuril. Yeah, the, the local totem here, the um, Kuril and Kurilpa. So what we've been told with working with local um, traditional owners, uh, Madonna Thompson, Shannon Ruska, Ani Marucci Baramba, the Sandy family, you know, they tell the amazing history. So we're blessed to be able to... Um, to be able to work alongside um, traditional owners and in partnership, you know, with their permission to be able to do what we do with sharing local knowledge so that more people are um, exposed to the, you know, local knowledge and local history so that they can 
share that knowledge with their friends and family and you know especially the younger ones coming up so when that opportunity um, for tours came to us with Brisbane City Council you know they said no one's doing anything oh. it's um, and yep. you know they have you'll see people um, the Brisbane got what are they called Brisbane greeters Brisbane greeters mm -hmm. so there are a lot of retirees they go around, um, you'll see them in Roman Street Parklands or around the city, they have red shirts and they share a lot of the, um, you know, colonial history, I guess, yeah. of Brisbane, the yeah. old history, but nothing beyond that. Mm. So they came to us and said, what do you think about um, running some cultural tours? So our elders met with other local elders and got the green light. And mm. it's just, you know, COVID's impacted us drastically but now we're just coming back and we've just done a tour today and we um, offer tours every single day for whether it's a couple of people, whether it's a school group, a corporate, um, you know, PD day or bonding staff bonding session. Um, there's opportunities to be able to learn and connect with local people um, and local knowledge. You can do a bush tucker tour with a beautiful bush tucker tasting plate. Um, you know, there's so much to offer here in Brisbane now mm. that a lot of people aren't aware of. So we like to be able to um, make sure that we're working in partnership with other local 100% owned and operated businesses um, here in Brisbane and to be able to partner up and share the experience because people are wanting more. You know, I think Indigenous knowledges around the world now is in such high demand. So we're definitely able to use that to our advantage and do what we've always done, you know. Sharing is caring and that's our culture and we do it um, with so much love and pride and passion so it's good to be able to have a platform now where people are, you know, literally knocking on our door and we can't keep up with the demand. So, so if someone wants to do a cultural tour, of which I highly recommend, <laughs> but um, how do they find out about it? How do they connect to it? Is yes. there a website? or yep. is it, yep. So you can check out theblackcard.com.au, also on the socials, um, Blackcard Cultural Tours on Facebook and Instagram. But if you're interested in the workshops, we do offer um, community workshops, public workshops, also virtual workshops, so that we can reach more people across the country and across the globe online now. So check out the website, all the prices, everything we offer is on the Black Card website. Now you also do another thing, I believe, uh, called Murray Menu. Yes. So tell us about that. <laughs> well, I'm a big foodie. Um, She's a big entrepreneur foodie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, big foodie family. So my parents actually used to cater the Murray Tent, mm. um, Murray Camp at the Woodford Festival and before Woodford it was Mullaney. Yep. So I'm going back to the early 90s here before it changed to the Woodford grounds when mm. it just expanded and got too big. Um, so we used to help do the breakfast, you know, whether it was bacon, eggs, sausages on the, um, on the barbecue or the lunches and the dinners. And that's where our love of food came from. Mum was like a gourmet vegetarian healthy chef and dad was your bush tucker, kangaroo stew, you know, your goat curry, um, <laughs> very different dynamics. So I've been blessed to be able to get the best of both worlds and I prefer to indigenize and veganize a lot of the classic recipes. So I love to use a lot, as much local produce as I can. Otherwise I'll order from Manangrita Wild Foods, which is absolutely amazing. Um, so different Aboriginal, um, you know, food businesses that I know are sustainable and ethical. I make sure that I support other, um, businesses that align with our morals and values. Um, and that's how Murray Menu was born, I guess. Just picking up where mum and dad left off. When they passed away, um, no one was doing, you know, the, the food for Murray Camp. Um, 
and it was if they were it was very different it was very bland whereas we cook soul food it's with a lot of love and a lot of passion and a lot of recipes handed down um, through the generations so I've just yeah carried on with their legacy and their love for food and I use a lot of their recipes but I've sort of tweaked them and um, although I've got their classic old recipes that you know would never touch we'd make sure that they're authentic and true to mum and dad um, there's other ones where I've been able to um, use more local ingredients so yeah Murray Menu is a Brisbane-based catering company um, it's pretty much just me, my best friend, and my kids. Mm. Um, we'll offer whole corporate packages to weddings, grazing tables. We love grazing tables. Um, we do amazing cakes as well, um, sweets, savouries, small or large. We pretty much cover everything. And how do they find out about um, Murray yeah, Menu? Yeah, so just on the socials as well. So just Murray Menu on Facebook and Instagram. Fantastic. You're amazing. And what else... Do you do? Is there other things like, are you involved in, have you created any charities or anything like that? Is that? Yes. So in my spare time, not yes. that there's much of that. Um, we established Dental for Dwarfism when my son Quaden was born. So it was just to be able to raise awareness and educate people on the short statute community and to learn more um, about a condition that not many people know about. So that came about just out of frustration because mm. I was just sick and tired of the relentless discrimination that he would face, mm. you know. And bullying and yeah, all the bullying. other Yeah, um, bullying. Anytime we'd go out in public, it was becoming more and more challenging. So I created this um, campaign that went viral with sharing his stories. And then NITV and SBS, a lot of media from around the world, um, you know, started sharing our stories and asking for interviews. So that's also created a space, another platform to be able to share um, a much more personal side of me, I guess, with my son's journey. Mm. Um, and I think it's a story of, you know, where, where people can see that we've been able to have so many um, struggles and so much adversity but we've been able to use that and learn and grow and strengthen individually and as a family and also as a community so there's a lot of work that we do around that space whether it's um, workshops at schools um, you know just assembly presentations there's dwarfism awareness month every october where we may have charity fundraisers or um, gala balls down the mm. gold coast we've had a lot of successful events um, and again, it's been impacted this year, so it's been a bit slow the last couple of years. But we hope that we can, um, you know, have a much more positive um, experience for people of all abilities. Um, and that's why I'm so passionate about sharing our journey to hopefully inspire and encourage and motivate other people, you know, from different backgrounds and abilities to be able to also share their stories. Because when we share our story, we take the power back and, you know, we can redefine the narrative. And I think that's really important with story. It's so important. Sometimes Absolutely. that's all we've got to be able to connect, um, you know, to anyone on any level. And we're continuing one of the most ancient traditions in the world, yarning. Absolutely. You know? That's why I'm so honoured and blessed and grateful mm -hmm. for having you as part of our co-hosting. You're just a very inspirational lady and we're very honoured to have you on board.